Hello, everybody. This is Mitch DeWitt. We also have Keith Ponywaz in the booth here. And for the record, Dan, our, our marketing genius over here, we, we, we love Dan. He's very appreciated at the firm. But for the record, this is attempt number two at this podcast. We always know Dan presses a lot of buttons over there on the dashboard. I don't entirely know what all the buttons do. They turn sound on. They, they play our song. Um, but this is, this is attempt number two. So, Dan, are we live? Oh, we're live. We're live. Yep. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I have to say our first version was way better than this. But we were it's killing lost. it. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And then all of a sudden Dan goes, oh, sorry, guys. We're not <laughs> recording. Oh, Dan. I do sound uh, a little Canadian, the way you put it there. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so oh, we, geez. we might as well just change the entire podcast topic at this point. We were going to talk about ESG investing, which is, as a reminder, environmental, social, corporate governance when it comes to investing. But yeah, we should probably still continue to that topic. Dan, we're, we're back live. Thank you for getting this set up in all seriousness. And uh, did I mention Keith Ponywaz is here? Uh, you did. And thank you for mentioning what ESG stands for. Uh, because as uh, you know, I mentioned on the, the previous version of this podcast, the better version, uh, I always can never remember what ESG stands for. I know it's some factor of environmental governance, you know, sustainability, a bunch of, you know, making sure workplace conditions are fair and so on and so forth. But I never know exactly what ESG stands for, which I think as well speaks to when we start getting into ESG, what are we actually doing? doing uh, for investors, how are things uh, being evaluated? And and one of the sort of impetuses for this podcast, is it impetuses or impetus? I was wondering that. Impeti? 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 Yeah. Uh, we'll have to research that and get back to. I can't remember if impetus has a Greek origin or not, because then- That's that, way beyond me. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, was in December, uh, a lot of people may have missed it, Bloomberg Business Week had an evaluation of one of the bigger evaluators that a lot of firms re- rely on for their ESG uh, numbers and, uh, and evaluations. And there are a number of firms out there that do this sort of uh, ESG evaluation of individual companies. Um, uh, in fact, in, in Interactive Brokers, they have an ESG sort of evaluator. And I just saw uh, an article about uh, the the son of the the owner of Interactive Brokers on on how he's on a big sort of ESG push. Um, there are a lot of factors, but in this article, it was like a lot of what you know they're evaluating on ESG are the chances of ESG affecting the business model of the company less that these are com- companies that may be doing right in the world. Sometimes the ESG scores are not because you know, improved not because of actions that the the companies took because they wanted to, but because you know they they had they were in Europe and they have Euro- European regulations that they need to follow and and are following those there. So if you get a chance, it's an interesting uh, article. It's called the ESG Mirage. But you know, one of the things that Mitch and I and we talk, I think, both on the investment side and uh, on the philosophical side um, about our our you know portfolios and and we take input from. From clients, in fact, that that article was sent to me by a client, and I thought it was rather interesting. We we take input from our clients, and we we are trying to, you know, ESG is an evolving space. I think we would say, Mitch, and so we we try to you know improve and and build. And so this is a little bit of an opportunity for us to talk about some of the things we're thinking about in the the ESG space, right? 
For sure. And and it absolutely has evolved. And, and there's still the debate out there. Is it a material factor when it comes to investing? And there's differing opinions across the, the spectrum there. There are firms that solely focus on ESG incorporation and they have the basic negative screenings, which have been around forever, right? Which is get rid of the bad stuff, so to speak. So if we have a pile of stocks, let's say it's S&P 500, right? Among those 500 companies, let's get rid of oil and gas, for example, which would of course be under the environmental side. Um, and then there could be social screens, corporate governance screens, et cetera. Get rid of the bad stuff, right? That's been around for decades. And now we've transformed over the years to companies being proactive. So Keith talked about kind of scoring systems. So there's many places out there that try to attach an, a score for the E on the environmental side, a score for the S, and then a score for the G for social and governance and then try to weight it, right? And that's really hard to do, right? Because all these companies, turns out, they have various different ratings. You could take the same company, you could take an energy company that, yes, has oil and gas operations, but they also have renewable energy, right? They might score those very differently. One company might say, oh, they're at nine on the ESG scale. Others might say, nope, they're still in fossil fuels and, you know, because of our our climate change and CO2 emission mandates as far as, as part of our um, process on an, an evaluating this company, there are two. <laughs> that could be the same company. And, and we've seen studies that show this. So there's, there's kind of a science, right? You can apply rules-based methodologies to evaluating these companies, but there's absolutely an art. And I don't think there's a, a uniform uh, take <laughs> on all this. It's, it's, it varies greatly from company to company. Uh, so, so that's one of the challenges, frankly, that Keith and I have when not only talking to clients, but then actually incorporating this into portfolios. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've looked, you know, some, and this affects how the, the funds that we use, we, we try to use index funds for these or lower cost funds for these that have screens and, and so on. But in certain cases, you know, uh, you may see in, uh, you know, a fund la- labeled as, aware, uh, as you know, uh, you know, more, they have rankings within the ESG universe, right? And that's literally in the title. So you could log into your account and you could see ESG aware, boom, right there in the title. And that may mean something different than, I don't know, ESG advanced or ESG restrictive. And so one thing we try to do is work out and determine with our clients what, you know, their ESG, what they're looking for, Right. And in a lot of cases, people are interested in ESG, but they can't necessarily do it because they have a, an existing portfolio that has um, lots of gains embedded in it. So we may look at, okay, can we you know, adjust the, the IRAs, the 401ks, those sorts of things to get into an ESG kind of position. Um, one of the other things that we've started talking about and, and we look at too is if a, some, a client has a large portfolio of individual stocks, we might be able to work that into an ESG kind of mandate by using a, a direct indexing strategy as well, whereby they can start saying, okay, going forward, we want to get rid of these, you know, these industries from our portfolio. How can we do that? And we may work with one of our, our partners on helping them construct that portfolio. Um, we've done it with a couple of clients based on, you know, that if they have individual positions, strong uh, beliefs, you know, hey, we're going to take these companies out. We're going to eliminate the the, um, the the oil companies, the the weapons manufacturers, the the 
arms dealers, as it were. Um, so that's you know a strategy. Another thing that we often counsel people on is if you already have these large gains, you know, uh, is there a way through through philanthropy to make that difference, right? And maybe donate some of these appreciated gains to causes that you know you believe in. So there there are various ways of using ESG holistically, I think. But one of the other things that we've started looking at is and added to our portfolios is something called. Uh, an impact sleeve, which is a, I think a title we may have stolen from a couple of clients at various <laughs> points, you know, because they said, well, we want, you, you know, we want to invest in companies that are working towards solutions more than just, you know, eliminating the bad companies essentially. Exactly. And, and the other thing about this too, is when it comes down to it, we're still trying to build a portfolio that has a risk reward profile that's appropriate for our clients and that ultimately works for their financial plan, right? So that's another part of it because when when tax when in a taxable account, right? If that's a if that's a big portion of the account, right? You might not be able to just rip the bandit off and say, "Oh, here's my new, you know, ESG stamps, ESG approved portfolio. Let's just let's just do it," right? So it's a process over time and we're trying to balance risk and reward too and make sure that we still have the asset classes that we want to own even though these ESG screens might be run through it, right? But we still want to have a diversified mix of, of asset classes, different geographies represented in the portfolio. Because ultimately, when it comes down to a portfolio, we want to own assets that are uncorrelated, right? So we're still trying to do those things to, to act in the best interests of our clients alongside better incorporating the, the ESG into their portfolio to align to their values, kind of like we're saying. So th there's a, an art to that too, as far as making sure that we're still doing the right thing for our clients from a risk reward perspective as well. And when it comes to the impact sleeve, generally there's, there's some more volatile positions in there, right? So how, to what extent, let's say, do we incorporate an impact sleeve? If there's renewable energy, there's, there's times where it's in favor, there's times where it's surely out of favor. Right now, for example, and, and I don't know when this podcast is ultimately getting posted, but we're seeing oil do quite well, right? You might not participate in, in that, right? If you screen that out essentially of your, of your portfolio. So there's, there's different times where, where you may be out of favor depending on the environment. And the flip side, you might be in favor when clean energy, for example, is doing well. So that's all part of this process too. Yeah, and it, it's one of the things that generally what we see is that there is some correlation between, you know, like clean energy and, and quote unquote dirty energy, as it were. Um, and so sometimes you see those move in, in tandem in the, in the longer term, um, but not necessarily. And the other thing that we, we try to look at with the impact sleeve is, you know, we don't, in the longer run, if you believe in these technologies, these are technologies for the future, right? So, you know, particularly for younger clients, we like taking this extra risk for people who believe in these things because, you know, companies like, you know, uh, Tesla or, or battery technology or uh, I think of Vestris, the, the wind energy company, I think they're out of Sweden. Um, these are companies that are po poised to, to grow as people adapt to these technologies over time, right, and incorporate them. And so it also becomes a way to add hopefully a little bit of performance over the long run to your portfolio, right? If you're younger, if you're, you know, further away from retirement, this impact sleeve, like you said, has greater volatility up, up and down more. It's a little out of favor right now. Um, but 
in the long run, you know, if you believe this is you're hopefully investing in technology for the for the future, and that can be a very good thing, you know, for your portfolio. Hopefully, I mean, you know, if you invested in in one of these companies 15 years ago, you're probably pretty pleased with with your portfolio right now. Yeah, and and it seems like the focus always is on the E. I don't know if it's because the E is listed first. I don't know if it's because you know it's it's more top of mind with climate change or, or just personal preference, whatever it might be. It seems like we always talk about E, but then the S and the G are other factors that, that we take a look at too. And, and for example, um, how companies are governed, right? That's the G, corporate governance. So taking a look at how these publicly traded securities, what the board of directors looks like. So they, they might look at, at how they're paid, for example, at the executive level. Um, all these things that that again, there's a belief that for sustainable companies uh, over time, if they're governed in a way that offers diverse thought, if they're paid in a way that aligns with not just profits, but stakeholder value, we'll say over time, they believe that, well, the stock price and ultimately financial return will be correlated over time in a positive way. Right. So that's kind of the thought process there. And, and even with it's yeah, it's March, right? So women's history month, correct? So that's yep. another thing that they look at. So um, it just happens to be coincidental that, that we're in women's history month. But for example, is a, a, a board or at the executive level, do they have an appropriate amount of diversity in the form of women and men, let's say, in that firm to offer diverse thought going forward as they're making business decisions? So that that's another thing that that are companies are looking at, asset managers are looking at when it comes to incorporating a company, whether they get in or maybe out of a fund, for example. So the E is always easy to focus on, but sometimes the S and the G can, um, it's not always left behind, right? Especially from the asset manager's perspective, but it's less talked about in my opinion. Yeah. And, and you know, part of that is a little bit, um, I think because of the technology focus, right? E, um, drives the conversation as well because there's a lot of anxiety about the focus uh, or, or the, the state of the planet going forward. The, you know, aim to incorporate technology to help with, with some of these problems we're seeing. So I think people see that, but uh, also in the long, long run, it may be less, um, you know, for lack of a better term, sexy to talk about, you know, uh, uh, good governance, you know, uh, these kind of fundamental things. But when you look at traditional, investor principles and uh, you know good governance is a big part of you know what investors will look at right and i think one of the things that that makes sense is the idea that diverse governance is good governance right that you the more opinions you have in the room if the firm is set up to handle the those diverse opinions that's going to be better for the company in the long run right that it that it engages a variety of perspectives and that leads to smarter policies at, at the corporate level. I think, you know, that's something. And so, yeah, there, first of all, there are funds that you can, you know, look at that will, you know, evaluate fun, firms, you know, companies based on, you know, the diversity of their leadership. That's another option. Um, in the, the ESG, when we work with our, you know, uh, screens and, and companies, it's something we take into account when we're looking at the bulk of the portfolio. Do they have a governance tilt or, you know, does that play into their, their evaluation as well? Absolutely. And, and the other, uh, myth I think about this is 
a client has to make a, a an all or nothing decision. It's, hey, I'm ESG or hey, I'm not, right? And just because there can be ESG incorporation into a co- portfolio, sometimes people are a little hesitant, let's say, where, hey, if I do go this ESG route, does that mean I am going to miss out on returns? And ultimately, asset allocation is going to be the, the big driver, I think, of, of your ups and your downs, right, when it comes to returns. But for example, people can in- incorporate, we, we talked about kind of this impact sleeve, right? I have clients that say, yeah, I do want a little bit of exposure to clean energy. It's something I believe in over the long haul. Sure, I know in the short term, it might be more volatile. But if I'm a long-term investor, that's something I believe in. I want it in my portfolio. Absolutely, that can be incorporated, even though I'll say the, the other portion of the portfolio still might have a little bit more of a traditional investment approach. So for example, in that S&P 500 index fund, you still have Chevron, for example, right? Um, so I have clients that, that think it's this all or nothing proposal, but it's not, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, and I, I think as well, it's one of the things that people may not realize about some of our, our core holdings as well, depending on what they are. Some of those firms now, and, and we're hoping to get a, a guest on to speak about a, a couple of these uh, funds at, at some point, or about this kind of incorporation overall, um, one of the one of the things that that you see is that um, you know more and more firms, investment management firms, are just incorporating these principles into their evaluations of, of funds. And so some of our core holdings have ESG screens involved in them. They don't advertise them quite in the same way, but they think, like we mentioned, governance is really crucial to running a good company and and when you're evaluating you know the the quality of a, a company of a bond that issued by that company the quality of the governance matters right and so that's gonna that's gonna be incorporated into their their screens so some of these things as well are filtering their way into the into the mainstream you may say of investing and indexed investing as well or or uh, screen factor-based investing yeah, and speaking of the the mainstream, that kind of reminded me of of the the question of greenwashing. People say, "Oh, well, if I just slap a stamp on there, it's an ESG fund, then great, I'm I'm considered a sustainable fund now at this point in time, right?" And there is some of that, and that's right to back to the very beginning of the conversation. Keith mentioned there might be ESG aware versus ESG advanced, right? That's actually those products come from the same company, right? BlackRock is one of those that that names some of their funds aware or advanced same company, different level of screen, for example. And then there's other companies out there that, that might just, you know, again, have the basic level of ESG screens. How much impact does that actually make to be determined? Right? So I think the person that really wants to dive under the hood, roll up the sleeves and look into it. Those are things to be aware of. And Keith and I, when we're building portfolios, we we try to take that into consideration. Yeah, and I think one of the things that you know we do in the in the background is try to talk to the fund managers, you know, find out what their thought process actually looks like. You know, they're as ESG got hot, we'll say it became a you know fad a little bit. Uh, it was cool um, because ESG portfolios were doing really well um, in 2019, in particular, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, and just looking at inflows over the last yeah. decade, if you look at ETF inflows, yeah, boom, something has an ESG stamp. There's trillions of dollars, yeah. you know, of, of ETF inflows yeah. in, the, yeah. in the, the space. And, and so one of the things we try to do is, is find funds with, with stronger, stronger screens. We try to talk to, to the investors, 
find out, okay, what do you, what do you guys mean by, you know, ESG? What's, what's that mean to you guys? You know, what are, what are your holdings? What do you guys have under the hood? So that when we're putting together the portfolio, adjusting the portfolio, talking to our clients, we can make a, a, a good evaluation of what's actually going on. Because like you said, you can stamp ESG on anything, right? Or, you know, this is, this, you know, fund has this goal and then you open up the hood and it's like, well, why are they holding Exxon, you know? Right. <laughs> um, or not, not to take shots at Exxon, but, you know, people will look and they're like, why is there a big oil company? It says it's an ESG fund. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them do the, the best house in the bad block, you know, is the analogy I always use where they'll wait, you know, so on and so forth. So it's really something that Mitch and I try to do. And, and as we talk about ESG portfolios, both, you know, publicly and, and behind the scenes, we're, we're trying to research and find more information and, and, you know, things are, are changing too in the, in that world. Yeah. And, and feel free to, to reach out to us, right? We love to have these conversations. If it's something that you want to talk about, how it relates to you and your portfolio, absolutely. Book a, a meeting on our, our calendars. We'd love to have that conversation. And, and there's, there's no one way to do it. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. There's no one way to do it. There's a lot of art. There's there's some science. There's a lot of art yeah. behind it, right? And and ultimately that kind of comes to custom tailoring to your needs, your desires, and what you want to get out of your your portfolio when it comes to sustainable ESG, socially responsible. Yeah, and I, I think insert term yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, and and I think one you bring up, you know, we're we're trying to tailor, and and we know there's no one right way, and that's why we're looking at things like the impact sleeve and an ESG core portfolio, because, you know, yeah, you know, their clients want different things there. We know there's no one right, right way to do that. And so we're trying to evolve and, and find a better way all the time, I think is what we'd say. And lastly, Dan, is this actually being recorded? It is yes. Oh, good. So, okay, so so we did not, we did not. It screw was up not this in one. vain. Oh, okay, so okay. We're good. All right. So, so we have something to post. So this is that's this what I'm is telling you news. on the air, but uh, behind closed doors, has not been recorded. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm looking forward. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the podcast coming out where it's Dan doing both of our voices. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, yeah. thank you all yeah. for for joining Re- us. Recreating the podcast because he's too embarrassed <laughs> to acknowledge that he didn't record it. Thank you all for joining us on yet another wonderful conversation on Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.